Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Good everyone out there, this is Jason Jones of The Athletic bringing you the latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the good folks at the Basketball Podcast Network. Again, I'm Jason Jones, the ruler of this here virtual court where we discuss all things kings, things that aren't kings, and my obsession fascination with hip-hop and the way the episodes have gone on this show primarily 90s hip-hop so it's almost like it's crazy to think that i'm becoming an old school guy or something like that but it is what it is but we'll get to the music later um recording this episode before the kings play the minnesota timberwolves for a second time in two days uh tuesday night the kings went out and Proceeded to not play defense for the, about 36 of the 48 minutes and lose for the 10th time in 11 games. I really want to call this Kings team can't get right. Just, just make that their name. Instead of the Sacramento Kings, the Sacramento can't get rights. For those of you, you know, familiar with that phrase, whether it be, you know, if you're in a fraternity, sorority, you had a can't get right as a part of your... Uh, 
I don't know what the term we're allowed to use now, but a part of your line you had a can't get right. If you saw the movie Life and can't get, you know, whatever. Basically, kings can't get right because kings cannot get out of their own way. Even when they do the right thing, they figure out, hey, we did the right thing once. Yeah, let's not do that anymore. Let's go back to what didn't work. And the kings constantly do that. That's why they're tumbling. That's why they've lost 10 of 11. And that's why... Barring some miracle, we can just get ready for the lottery balls this team because uh, you're looking at them tying the the Clippers for that record 15 straight years missing the playoffs. Congratulations, you'll be in the record books. Well, I'm just gonna congratulate them for that. But what the hell? What the hell? Yeah, I mean, I guess hell 15. It's pretty damn hard to go 15 years and not even be mediocre or above average or average enough to make the, the playoffs to, to somehow get into the top eight. I mean, you almost have to say, damn, how the hell? I mean, like, you almost... You, I almost admire the consistency or the stick-wittedness, if that's a word, to get to this point to where you're looking at that. I mean... Of course, I'm being facetious when I say all that, but, hey, it is what it is. I'm knowing about... 20 some odd days I can stretch my feet out knowing I don't have to watch any more basketball games in person so shout out to the to that and shout out to vacation plans shout out to seeing what the offseason will bring but we still got games to go and I want to uh, jump into something about the games that we still have going on and this has come up with some fans I've seen on social media even some members of the media have asked Luke Walton is it time to go with the young guys? And that's an interesting, I guess, take or thought. You know, do we just go young now? And what? Do we, my question is, in that case, what are we talking about when we say young? To me, you're looking at a bunch of guys who have not been able to play or practice much. And that would be, you know, Robert Woodard II, Jemias Ramsey, to a degree, Chris Silva, even though uh, Luke has gotten him into a couple of games lately, still spot minutes. You know, Kyle Guy, a two-way guy. Maybe Damian Jones is on the second of his 10-day. You know, maybe you just flood the court with those guys. And that sounds good, but I'm not so sure about that. Because you look at the, the makeup of this, t- this Kings team based on the way it's built. Two of your, at least one of your young guys, well, the rookie, your, you know, rookie of the year candidate, Tyrese Halliburton, he plays a lot. Uh, Chemezi Metu on a two-way deal, young player, he plays a lot. So you are getting some younger guys. I mean, I know De'Aaron Fox is in his fourth year. De'Aaron's 23. He's a young guy. You know, Rashawn Holmes is an old, well, he's injured now, but he's not like, it's not like he's in his 15th year. You know, <laughs> you know, he's not like, you know, really in terms of extended years, you're probably looking at Harrison Barnes and Maybe you throw Mo Harkless in there as guys who have had extended, extend, you know, you say you're, you're approaching like year 10, somewhere around that range. So to me, you are playing a lot of young guys. So to get some of these other guys in the, on the court, guys who in a normal season would have been playing a lot for the Stockton Kings and getting their experience there, which would have allowed them to get practice reps, so on and so forth. The question becomes, who do you stop playing? Who do you sit in order to make that happen. Okay, I'll wait. Tick tock, tick tock. Of course, you're going to answer on your own, but 
I know one one obvious question people are gonna say, sit buddy healed. You know, he's <laughs> he's become just a three point shooter and that's it. Buddy had a very interesting moment before Tuesday's game where he picked up a delay a game call just because he was slow getting done with his little pregame dab hand slap routine and <laughs> getting on the court. Very Kangs, very I mean, if I was gonna pick a player who that would happen to, it would have been Buddy. Just because that's that's Buddy. You know, so people say, well just sit Buddy. And, and, okay, just sit Buddy. That's one obvious, uh, I guess, person people would say. The second person people are going to say is, sit Hassan Whiteside. Why everyone picks on Hassan like everything is his fault, I don't get. But hey, people are going to say, sit Hassan Whiteside. Some might say, sit Harrison. And they, okay. And, oh yeah, I forgot to mix into the, the, you know, the mix of young guys who are playing. Terrence Davis has to be considered one of in his second season. So, but, I digress. But, you know. So do you sit him? If Rashawn Holmes is healthy, when he gets healthy, do you play him again? Do you play Marvin Bagley the third? He's a young guy who hasn't played much and is still coming back from injury. So you've got a lot of, you know, of guys that qualify as young guys who are either hurt or aren't playing that should or could warrant playing time. And again, I ask you, who do you sit? I don't know, because what you're what you're looking at in this situation is you're looking at possibly turning the remaining. Say you do this with twelve games, fifteen games, whatever to go. You're looking at turning the rest of the Kings season into a glorified summer league, and no one get none of those young guys get better in that situation, especially when they don't have time for practice. You don't get. I mean, there's rolling the ball out there and scrimmaging. And if you want, and the key is for this Kings team, even as they're losing, you're looking at the big picture. If you're the front office, if you're the coaching staff, you want to see how guys fit, where guys fit, what guys can you build with for the future. And I hate to break this to fans. Well, I don't really hate it. Shit. It needs to be reminded. A lot of times a young guy on the bench is a lot like the backup quarterback in football. Some of y'all get so fascinated and wrapped up in, oh my God, we haven't seen that guy. Oh my God, we haven't seen that guy. We should let that guy play. Here's a little uh, hint or a spoiler or whatever you want to call it. A lot of times there's a reason why that guy isn't playing. There's a reason. And if you think coaches are out here just... You know, just not playing guys who can play on purpose. You're crazy. More, a lot of times, there's a reason why these guys don't play. And there's and if you're if you're the Kings, you need to see how the guys who were ahead of them fit before you start just shuffling shit around. So it would be great to get Jemias Ramsey on the court at some point. But on the other hand. You're going to have to make a contractual decision like with Terrence Davis in the season. You need to know where Terrence Davis fits and what he can do and give him minutes not playing with Kyle Guy. No disrespect to Kyle Guy, you know, but he needs to be out there with De'Aaron Fox. He needs to be out there with Tyrese Halliburton. He needs to be out there with Harrison Barnes, guys who are likely to be probably going to be on your team next season. If you want to see what you want to do with DeLon Wright, you don't need to see DeLon Wright out there with Robert Woodard. 
and Justin James, he's he's got to play with the regulars. Same thing with even some of the young guys who do play, like uh, Chemezi Metu. If you're looking at possibly bringing him back next season on a standard contract, perhaps, you need to see how he fits with your regular guys. You can't just throw the ball out there with a bunch of young guys until, I guess, I guess you would assume Tyrese still plays and leads them. What are you going to do? I, I don't like that. I don't think that really makes those guys better. If you're going to integrate one guy in, you know, here and there, say, for example, you want to give Robert Woodard backup minutes behind Mo Harkless. Okay, I'm fine with that. But if you're talking about sitting Mo and Harrison and starting Robert Woodard and Justin James, I think you're tripping. I think you have to keep some semblance of order even in the process of evaluating the younger players who aren't playing and going forward. And who knows what's going to happen in the offseason. If the NBA, you know, if you're the Kings, you're hoping the NBA has a summer league where you can get some of these guys work. You're hoping that you'll have a real training camp to get these guys work. And then a going into 2021-22, you'd have a season that is stretched out to where you have practice days. And the crazy thing is, most NBA teams don't practice much in the first place, even during a normal season. You know, it's not like you're practicing, you know, every time there's not a game. But on the other hand, it's never been this extreme where, you know, literally you've had 12, 14 practices all season. So you have to get through all this and you want to see how these guys fit in ideal situations. I don't think you can do that just yet. And for me, there's one final kick to this. What message are you sending to these players if you're going right back into tank mode? You know, you said you made these trades at the trade deadline to make your team better, to get a look at what you possibly could do going forward. Then you turn around and say, you know what the hell with it? Let's just lose as many games as we can to get a better draft pick. Again, I've never been a fan of tanking. I've never been a fan of any situation where you purposely put players in position to lose games. And, of course, you can't tell everyone how to manage their team. You look at the last weekend, the uh, Utah Jazz sat a bunch of their guys to rest, you know, some nagging things, and they lost the game to the Lakers, a team that, you know, when Utah plays its guys, would be able to beat or should be able to beat. And, of course, every team is going to do its best for them. But I'm speaking on the Kings, a team in a losing situation, a team that has been losing for going, going, 15 years of losing seasons. I don't. I think any chance they get to win a game is important. I just think any chance to win a game is important, even these last games down the stretch. I think you still can get value out of seeing, getting as much uh, game footage or game tape is it still call tape? I mean, they really use like DVDs and stuff like that now. So I don't know what you call it, but you know, any the more data you have of how Terrence Davis fits with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, it's better. You know why? What if, especially for those of you who don't like Buddy, what if the Kings have a chance to trade Buddy and get maybe a draft pick and power forward and maybe a wing player who can help them? Wouldn't it be nice to know just how Terrence plays with De'Aaron and not just have a few minutes here and there to have as much data as possible? No, I think that would be good for the Kings. I think you have to do all of that stuff. 
I mean, I think that um, there's still going to be issues the Kings have to address in the offseason. I still think this Kings team is way too small. I mean, you look at that Minnesota game. They look like some, they look like little kids at times playing against Minnesota, who's just a physically bigger team. But you still need to make the most of these last this last stretch, this last little it's a little less than a month of the season. But you got to make the most of it, and I don't think you make the most of it by just throwing a bunch of young guys out there who really haven't had practice time to prepare, who who just don't ha- who aren't, in my opinion, probably prepared to succeed just yet. And if you're going to put the guys out there, I think you put them out there in the best position to succeed. And I just don't think doing just throwing them out there right now is that best position. I think you want those veteran guys out there with any of those guys as they develop and grow. So that's just my take. Let me know what you think. I know a lot of you probably disagree with me, but yeah, it is what it is. You know, I think when you've lost, been losing this long, it's always going to be everyone's. They got the the way to fix it. I just don't think they need to go to a all out tank mode right now. They're going to lose enough games playing their regular guys. <laughs> you don't have to over overdo it with the losing. And guess what? I was around people all the time. It's a draft lottery. Nothing's guaranteed. You know, you might move up three spots. You might move back three or four. There's no guarantees in this lottery. So the whole we need to increase our odds whatever and then even when you increase your odds say you move up you could still draft the wrong guy and trust me the kings have quite the history of drafting the wrong guy we all know that we've all seen it so maybe uh they went one for one in the first round last year with tyree Taliburton. maybe they can you know you know monty mcnair can go two for two so Let's just see how it all unfolds and go from there. Thank you all of you for letting me rant against tanking. And who knows, maybe we'll still see, you know, a Damian Jones, Robert Woodard, Chris Silver front line at some point just because the Kings don't play any defense and maybe Luke Walton gets frustrated, just sits everyone for a half. I don't know. Okay. Do we want to talk any more Kings? I really don't. Be honest, I feel like I'm kinged out. Maybe I need this uh, upcoming break they've got coming for three days just as much as they do. I just, I'm kinged out. And which reminds me, I'm, I'm kinged out, so to speak, but it was nice on Tuesday to see actual fans in the building. For the first time all season, a Kings game felt like an NBA game. It's honestly felt like we've been watching practice <laughs> all season. Just no, I mean, because there's no, there's you know, there's really there's no energy in the building, and it was still a small number, sixteen hundred fans who were treated to that lack of defense by the Kings. But it was good to see just some sense of normalcy, people making their way back into the building. Maybe you know, maybe that can also help the Kings spur them along, but. It was, I do want to say it was good to see the fans, see some fans back in the building, able to get, like I say, back to a sense of normalcy, some sense of this is how life is supposed to be type deal. So, okay, enough Kings talk. You know what I want to talk about. I previewed it on Monday. I want to recap the verses, Method Man, Red Man. And I, if some of you were wondering, 
how does Jason keep on following verses that are going on a verses that's going on during a Kings game? I'll say this. Thank God for uh, wireless noise canceling headphones that allow you to listen in while you watch uh, two teams bother not to play defense for a half. <laughs> yeah, so I was able to catch a good chunk of this uh, versus battle. And again, I don't even like calling it a battle. It's because it's not really like, you know, a battle in the sense of a battle rap or, you know, a, a cypher guys going at each other. It's really more like a celebration of both careers and Method Man and Red Man's careers are so intertwined. It's like, how do you really separate them? But they went into the crates and separated themselves. They did some of their stuff together. I was glad to hear them shout out Pac, what I got my mind made up. I'm glad Meth did um, the what, his song with Biggie. All of that was fun for me. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad Red Man shouted out the 90s era of hip-hop, which I still think is the greatest era of hip-hop. I mean, top to bottom. Guys who would have been superstars in another era just for just one of many really, really, really great MCs. And perhaps they were superstars. We just didn't call them that because, well, you think of, you just think about it. Red Man is out. At the same time as Wu-Tang, at the same time as Biggie, Pop, all these guys are out at the same time, and I think it elevated the game, and it was really a fun time. So I was glad to see him shot, him, shot those guys out, but wanted to just touch on some of the guest appearances. And first off, as a big EPMD fan, uh, been a big EPMD fan going back to the 80s, it was, it was so cool for me to see uh EPMD come out with K Solo and Red Man for Headbanger. That was one of my favorite songs. That album by EPMD Business Never Personal. True story. I actually wrote a paper uh off of a, a song for an English class from that album. Uh coming at you. It was a English class I was taking in high school. I guess I'm kinda of dating myself clearly, but the assignment was to take a song and show that that song had the elements of you know poetry, alliteration, metaphors, and it's pull you know. And I remember someone did like um like some like a Celine Dion or like I'm blanking. It was like a real classical like oh that's a beautiful song. And you have to remember in the early '90s, you still probably had a lot of people at this point who were teaching us in high school who don't see hip hop as a viable form of music. So I stroll up to the front of the classroom with my, uh, what would I have? My, my little, actually, this is how crazy. We actually had, you know, those, those projectors. I don't, what are they called? The same thing Al Davis used uh, when he fired Lane Kiffin. Uh, I'm, you know, the projector, I'm blanking on the name, but, you know, we had to like take uh, the lyrics and write them on those so we could show them to the class. We didn't have PowerPoints. We had those. And I remember writing out the lyrics and explain, you know, explaining <laughs> that, that, you know, there were actual metaphors and, the, you know, what metaphor meant what. Um, explaining how the, 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 the how uh, the, the DOS effects part of the song, explaining how 
you the 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 phrase "I got more dick than Van Dyke" was a was a use of uh, a play on the English language. You know, <laughs> that was quite the interesting thing because yeah, I remember my English teacher. She was looking at me like, "Wow!" Like no one expected that from the class for some reason, but I did that. And shout out to EPMD. So I said all that to, to bring up the fact that I'm a big EPMD fan. So it was quite a joy to see them up there, K Solo, yo, Inspector Deck, Capadonna, all those guys being brought on stage to celebrate, you know, just good music. And then, as is my now going on a year, as now is my custom, after every verses. I then, I then go to the streaming platforms and I get all the songs, listen to them. Just I forgot Lords of the Underground came out too, you know, but he had a Lords of the Underground song. But I just go through and listen to everything again, like, and remember just how good some of these songs were and are. Maybe some songs I forgot. Maybe some songs I haven't heard. Maybe I didn't go as deep into the catalog for this, uh, the artists I thought I did. So... It's all fun. It's all great. It's all educational. I love it. Can't wait for the next uh, versus hip hop battle or again hip hop celebration. Can't wait for the next one. I'm looking forward to it, as I'm pretty sure a lot of you are as well. So shout out to Red Man. Shout out to Method Man. Thank you for providing us with a great show. Thank you for keeping me sane and awake while I was watching the Kings. <laughs> yeah, because I was I was grooving. I was grooving. You know, they they played all played my you know my favorite ones. I'll be that. You know, I'm tw- I'm tweeting about the Kings and I'm tweeting about verses at the same time. Yeah. So second time I've done that this season, I believe. I believe I did that during what was it? Well, during the Ra- Raekwon and Ghost. Hell, I did it last season with with DMX and Snoop. So yeah. Kings, if you don't want me tweeting about other stuff during the game, please at least give me a reason to be interested in two teams not playing defense and nothing to be interested in. So moving on from that versus one thing that did strike me that was said during the the, kind of the end method man, red man talking about if method, you know, if we in your city come to the show got me thinking, are we at a point in hip hop now where. Maybe some of these these uh, acts that I grew up on in the '90s are just I don't want to say come back, but hmm, I don't know what you call it, but can they find a foothold in today's music world? Into you know, in a world where it's streaming, where it's not about it's not the same world that they came up in, and if so, who are the people I'd want to see? And Method Man and Red Man is, you know, are right up there amongst the people I would want to see. But I'm going to go ahead and give you all some of my favorite ones that I would want to see live from the 90s. Or I should say people who started their career in the 90s because not everyone who started in the 90s has like gone away or anything. So let me, and I'm going to try to keep it to shows that I've never seen in person to try to, you know, because if I go in people I've seen, like I've seen Ice Cube like a million times. So I've seen E-40, but 
which starts me at number one, actually. I've seen all of these people individually. I've seen at least one or two on the same show with each other. But I would go to a Mount Westmore show. I would go to an Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, E-42 short show. I would go to that show in a, in a heartbeat. Why? You're talking about four West Coast legends. Or nothing, scratch that. Four legends in hip-hop. People who have remained relevant in some shape or form, either through the music or through the culture. No, you're looking at three plus decades. You're looking at Cube came out in the 80s. You know, then you go through the music, you go through the movies. Um, His little foray into politics didn't go over well with people, but I do appreciate what he was trying to do. So you got, you know, but either still, Cube has remained relevant and a figure in the community and in the culture. You know, pretty much all my life, I think about it, 30 plus years. You got E-40, you know, came up around the same time as Cube musically, you know. My man 40 is still dropping hits and having hot features to this day. And on top of that, 40's got, what's he got? He's got wine. He's got tequila. Now he's got cognac. I think my man has lumpia. I mean, 40 is doing everything in, you know, just a mogul. So he's still relevant. Too short. Yo, another guy going, actually started probably back in the 80s. Man, you know, master remain relevant throughout the time. You know, he, you know, he probably got songs that your mama danced to, and then the mom, somebody's mama danced to, and then later her daughter danced to the same song. So how's that? Or maybe uh, <laughs> uh, the mama was listening to Freaky Tales, and the daughter ended up listening to Blow the Whistle or Shake That Monkey. You know, either way. Talking about a, a hell of a career. And then you look at the one and only, you know, LBC zone, Snoop Dogg, or I guess we're still calling Snoop Doggy Dog. You know, he busted out back in, you know, in the early nineties. You know, now he's a hell he's been a pro he's been on pro wrestling, cooking shows, uh movies, you know. Oh yeah, for short he's been in movies too. But you know, all this stuff, you know, Snoop is in everything, you know, gin. I think I want to say at least a couple of guys have cannabis ventures, everything. So I would go see that. Secondly, met the Red Man show. I'd be there. I don't think I need to explain it. If you saw the verses, you'd see why. I would definitely be there. No questions asked. Yeah, I would definitely, you know, be on top of that. Number three would be an entire Wu Tang show. I've never seen the Wu Tang clan live. I've, you know, I mean, so I would, I would definitely do that. Number four, hmm, where do we go? Where do we go? You know what? I'm going to take it back to, I want to see an APMD show. What the hell? You know, I want to see that. I want to see that. So that would be another good one for me. And number five, how would I close it out? Like I said, speaking on people that I have not seen already. Hmm, TikTok. See, I would say Public Enemy, but I've seen Public Enemy live. Oh, man. No homo say I would love to see. I've never seen Scarface perform live. You know, unfortunately, no, we lost Bush with Bill, but I've met Willie D, and I would love to see some form of the Ghetto Boys live. So, 
those are my 90s slash, I guess, late slash 80s groups. I want to see make a comeback in 2021, 2022 as this world opens up and we can start going to things again. Those are people I would go see. And there you have it. I'm gonna, not going to hold you much longer. Thank you for listening. Shout out to the boss. Ooh, see, I'm getting a little tired. See, the Basketball Podcast Network. Shout out to, to the good folks there for bringing you the Rule of the Court podcast. You know where to find me at. Uh, Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Theathletic.com. And I got a few other things coming, you know, uh, doing my little wrestling podcast. Got some other things cooking. Just be on the lookout for all those. Uh, hit me up, you know, follow me, like me, send me DMs and all that if you want to try to collaborate. I'm open to anything. Just let me know, y'all. All right, y'all take care. I'm out of here. Boom.